Oh, no, we're starting now. I'll cut this down. All right. All right, here we go. Where's the... Powered by Riverside. Hello and welcome everyone. Anchor.fm slash fourth and one. This is the fourth and one podcast. Simeon's back with his carbonated apple juice. I love it. It is a Wednesday night tonight, September 15th, because I'm going on vacation this weekend. So our normal day for Thursday, we were not able to do. However, hopefully, the man who pushes all the buttons with the carbonated apple juice will be able to get this out before Saturday afternoon after the games had started. Hey, it was Friday afternoon yesterday, last week. Well, on Spotify, it was Friday afternoon. Oh, yeah, on right. YouTube, on took forever on YouTube, and YouTube messed us up. It would have been out on YouTube. I thought it was going to be out on YouTube. It was the whole thing. You know, we're the worstest podcast in the world. Uh, on the so, interwebs yeah. is what it is actually normally what sorry. it is. A uh, week two was in the book, and it was oh. Okay. I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular. There was a lot of news to come out of it. Uh, Texas really went down to Arkansas and kind of got beat up a little bit. There's huge news coming out of USC. So, you know, as the season progresses, the storylines get deeper and deeper. The stories kind of emerge and uh, you get lost in the maze of college football. But I am here for it. I'm excited. So why don't we just jump right into this check down? Because we got a lot to cover, especially for this week. So check down it is. The Big 12 chancellors and athletic directors. Am I like purple tinted? I kind of look like Thanos right now. You do kind of look like Thanos right now. You are a little bit purple tinted. I I don't know why. I don't know why. Let's just move on. People just listen for our silky smooth. Uh, well, that is true. My, uh, They don't look at me for my sexy looks. Anyway, the Big 12 chancellors and AD and athletic directors voted yes to BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF to join. Now, the timetables, B- BYU will join in the 2023-2024 football season. And then Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, which is all currently part of the AAC, are planning to join in the 2024 season. However, the AAC came out and said that they aren't, that deal could, that buyout and that negotiation could be reworked. That's the wording I'm looking for there. Got it. It's that, okay. End the segment. Clay Helton, USC coming off a dreadful loss to Stanford after Stanford had a dreadful loss in week one to a team that is escaping me. But UFC, USC should have definitely looked better. They did not. They lost 42-21 to and got absolutely got manhandled. So Clay Helton is out two weeks into the season, which tells me that they really weren't sold on him for the season before the season started. Now, 
possible replacements. James Franklin, uh, Penn State's head coach, is being thrown around as a candidate. Of course, Urban Meyer, who's in Jacksonville. The problem is you can't go out and get an NFL guy because of the early signing period for recruits. So unless if you're going to convince an NFL guy to leave his job early, like an Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator uh, for Kansas City, Adam Schefter reported he would have to leave the Chiefs in the middle of a playoff like hunt at the end of the season to take over that program and try to get recruits. Clay Helton uh, provided some stability to USC's coaching carousel. It was Lane Kiffin, then it was Steve Sarkeesian, both uh, at Old Miss and at Texas, respectively. Now, then it was Edge Orgeron, who is now at LSU. And then kind of Clay Helton kind of stabilized things. He kind of won with Sarks and Kiffins and Orgeron's kind of like recruits there. And he won a Rose Bowl and he was kind of up and down. They were undefeated last year, but weren't. But and then got beat by Oregon in the Pac 12 championship game. So they're not where they were when Pete Carroll was there. I think it's the inconsistency that really ended up killing Clay Helton there in uh, Los Angeles. I was going to say Pasadena, but that's UCLA, so I can't. Listen, man, I'm trying. Mm. Uh, Yeah, and I'm on the struggle bus. The Bills, Buffalo Bills will be requiring fans to be vaccinated to attend NFL and then hockey games because they have a hockey team. You must at least have one vaccine starting the end of this month, the 26th of September, and you must be fully vaccinated by the 31st of October, which is you need three or four weeks to get vaccinated in between the two doses. I would honestly really like to hear your thoughts on this. I'm not overly thrilled about it. Yes, this is the way the world's going. It's not really my favorite part about the world right now with all the mandating of the vaccine, especially I think there's some misconceptions surrounding it. I am vaccinated. We're both vaccinated. And I would encourage people to go out and get vaccinated. However, I, I'm i not sure that mandating that vaccine to go to an NFL game is really the way to go. Let's hit this up uh, after this last segment here. And then on the other spectrum, the NBA, there was some talks earlier that the NBA would require players to be vaccinated. The NFL currently does not, and the NBA will go the same way. They won't mandate the players to be vaccinated, but it is expected that there will, much like the NFL, be different restrictions for vaccinated and unvaccinated players as there is right now in the NFL. So again, I'm, I I think everyone, it's a good idea to get vaccinated, but I'm not exactly down with all the man, the mandating. So I'm kind of glad that the NBA kind of left it up. But you know, if your employer, if you want to work somewhere and your employer says you got to do if you got to jump 10 times before you can work for us, then you got to jump 10 times. If you're getting paid millions of dollars like these athletes are. So I mean, I could have gone either way. But it's, it's just part of the news, I guess just part of the check down. It's one of those. uh, Well, that was the check down. 
brought to you by uh, nobody. Actually, brought to you by you, the listeners. Go to anchor.fm slash fourth and one. There's a support tab there. One dollar, two dollar, whatever you got. Greatly appreciated. Um, helps us with little things that we can do, like bet money on games, which we'll uh, pick up to do a little bit later. Comment uh, also, comment down below who wins the game of the week. It is either P or it is A for Penn State or Auburn, and and you don't want to, yeah, you don't want the P in the A because that's a little weird. Alrighty. But the A is going to P, so I'm kind of glad that Penn State's not going to Auburn. But anyway, comment down below P or A who's winning this week. Let us know. We'll let you know who we think are is winning um, later this week. But you were saying about the vaccines. About the vaccines, I mean, I've had a weird situation with the vaccines. As Makai said, we're both vaccinated. Um, this is one of those situations where it was kind of poised to us from a perspective of it's going to fix everything, the world's going to get better, we'll be able to go back to normal. Then it came around and we realized, wait, that's not how vaccines work. Um, we kind of forgot. I'm, I'm saying we, I completely was like, okay, we'll be fine. And I'm like, no, it's not, that's not how vaccines work. Um, we're used to things like polio and stuff that don't exist in the world, but we get vaccinated so they stop existing, so they, they stay, go away. Um, when it comes to professionals and your job requiring things to do, I have to take a P-test tomorrow to get my new, for my new job. Like, it also... It doesn't make sense. Like, I get it. There, There's the political sides. There's the health science side. Like, if you're old, you should get vaccinated. If you're around old people, you should get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. But also, it's one of those things that this is the Bills and whoever owns that family, which most people say it's not a good family from what we hear. It's kind of like Spanos in, in now L.A., what used to be San Diego. Um it's just one of those things that is a little bit surprising from um, coming out of, especially Bills, the Bills area and the Bills Mafia, and especially with how big their fan base is there. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all from the NBA. That's a player-driven league. The players run that league, not the fans. Um, which is why it's surprising from the Bills' perspective. I think from a political perspective, I'll stay out of it. It's a little bit annoying that we're having to mandate all this stuff. I get we don't want to, you know, stop the spread, that sort of stuff. We want to we want to do that. Sorry, not, not want to do that. We want to do that. <laughs> no, we just um, want the global pandemic to keep on trucking. You know, but at the same time, I feel like we kind of, from a personal perspective, I feel like we've kind of figured this out. We can all take a step back. And breathe. Everything doesn't have to. It became personal with me. Like it doesn't have to be personal. Like it doesn't. It doesn't need to be. You know, we really just need to. And calm down. And be like, you're not vaccinated. I'll allow it. It's okay. Like hug a dude. Go see a football game. And you know, the most people who are gonna die are at risk, and they know that. It's like any other disease that's out there now. Be smart. We still 100% recommend you get vaccinated. Uh, I still think I'm going to be shooting straight if you get what I'm saying uh, in a couple years when I want to have kids. I'm not worried about it. And if that's the case, there are plenty of kids who you can adopt. There are plenty of kids who you can foster. 
highly recommend doing that if you're able to. If you can't have kids, it's extremely fulfilling. Me and Makai grew up in a church that was very adoption happy with a lot of loving parents. Very successful from what we can tell. No kids have messed up yet. Just <sighs> calm down. I, take a deep breath. Move on. I, I, I see it from both perspectives and I respect it from both uh, perspectives. Yeah. I, I respect the owner of the bills wanting and mandating it hopefully for good reasons and i understand that and i respect his decision and i respect his right to do that i i don't necessarily agree with it but hey that's that's life and we're here about you know showing respect so we're gonna figure it out we're gonna allow it when we're gonna move on and we're gonna get into week two review here and then we're gonna preview week three the five biggest games in my mind and then we're gonna give you simeon's lock and that's how it's gonna go and guess what you might be vaccinated you might not but guess what you just gotta love each other wash your hands you filthy animals yep. and be as healthy unlike me and, and be kind to one another my yeah. goodness but anyway let's jump in Makaya, guess what moment you just had again? Oh my goodness. You just had a Carolyn Schlicker moment. Oh. All right, Simeon. So, what is the mon what is my mantra? Can you turn your mic down a little bit? Oh, Sorry. My. Just a tad bit. Doesn't have to be much. Okay. Mantra is it's easy to win football games if you can run the ball. Excellent. Is that lower? Yeah, that is. I'm, I'm turning a... you up. I turned you down a little bit. You just got real close and so good. Uh, you know, I see. Which is totally fine. Sorry. Just I, a little hot. I, I You're get, good. I get excited, You're good. Man. We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. We're the worstest podcast on the interwebs. We got it. All right. So, it's easy to win football games when you can run the football. That was so evident this week on College Football Final, which is on ESPN. takes place about three in the morning however i watch it i record it and watch it the next days i cannot tell you how many teams were over 300 rushing yards wisconsin auburn michigan just to name three three of them oregon was pretty pretty close nebraska was over 300 rushing yards uh byu was pretty close arkansas was pretty close you run the football, you dominate the line of scrimmage, you control the game clock, and that, and that's all she wrote. Anyway, let's jump into it. The biggest, probably the biggest game of the day, Ohio State taking on Oregon in Columbus. We, uh, Simeon, you said take Oregon plus the points. I said take Ohio State minus the points. It turns out you were right. Oregon comes away with a 35 20. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f he wants. Oregon. That's the wrong sound bite, but still. Oregon dominated the line of scrimmage and has the type of talent both defensively and offensively, the type of athletes to be able to compete with the big dogs like Alabama like Ohio State, like Oklahoma. Because they, these are all kids that should be at USC. They're, in, they're from Southern California. Ohio State's 
passing game is elite. They threw for almost 500 yards. C.J. Stroud was unbelievable in that game. They had three receivers over uh, 100 yards receiving. They had 120 yards rushing. But the problem is their defense and defensive line and offensive line, they couldn't run the football effectively. And their defensive line could not stop the fo- could not stop the Oregon running game. C.J. Verdell was 162 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And the thing they kept getting touchdowns. Simeon, how, how many? They they ran the same play three different times for touchdowns, right? The yeah, crack back least. block. Yep. Yeah. The running From back goes to the corner. Yep. Yeah. The running back like starts inside. Weird. Yeah. Starts inside, then bounces it out because the wide receiver comes down and blocks the defensive end, and that it's wide open. Ohio State has to fix these defensive issues if they want to be national champions and in the college football playoff. Because right now, with a loss and the way your defense got pushed around and your offensive line got pushed around, especially late in that game when you had to pass against Oregon, who didn't even have their two best defensive linemen, the number one overall pick, Kevin Thibodeau and and Flo on that defensive line. You got pushed around late in that game. when When you go to play Penn State, well, that's going to be an issue because Penn State has some monsters. When you go to play Michigan State or Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game, good luck, Ohio State. You need to figure out your defense. Your offense is elite and continue with, will continue to be, but your defense, you got to figure it out. I'll just say it. I don't even need All right. To. Michigan, the night game. Repping my Wolverines here. Man. Michigan's has a stout defense. Aiden Hutchinson is an absolute monster. He single-handedly wrecked Washington all game long. So I'm glad to see that Michigan still is getting some talent. Michigan's running game, I would say, is more than solid, bordering borderline on elite. Against Western Michigan, fine. You run for 340 yards. Everyone doesn't blink twice because it's a MAC team. Then Washington comes to town with a legit defensive line and linebackers, and you run for 340 yards. It is the third most ever in the Harbaugh era. Out of the top four rushing games in the Harbaugh era has happened in the last two weeks for Michigan. Here's Michigan's problem. Their pass defense, they still have, they're still playing a lot of man-to-man coverage and blitzing a lot. That's going to bite them in the butt when it comes to Ohio State, and I'm I'm hoping they figure that out. But also, there's no okay. vertical passing game. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry, I have to interrupt. You're right about the ver- no vertical passing game. I have a comment about that. But the second thing is, Oregon was rushing the ball when they weren't playing their freaking annoying AF soft zone. They were rushing. They would bring blitzes when they needed to bring blitzes, and it was extremely effective. Who? Oregon. Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. When you play Ohio State, it's going to be fine. That's a horrible point is what I'm saying. No, no. But, what I'm saying but is all Mich- wrong, all, and you need to be okay with all it. Michigan okay, did, has, all Michigan has done the last two weeks is playing – Manda is basically playing a – different a slightly different version of what don brown was because they are more talented than the two teams 
the, the Western Michigan and Washington did not threaten them through the air, so they played man, a lot of man-to-man. The problem is, if you play a lot of man-to-man again against Ohio State, it's not going to work out well. So I'm hoping that, yes, they play a soft zone like Oregon, and they just kind of keep everything in front of them. I'm good with that, but what I'm saying is I have yet to see that. I see, so you're skeptical. Yes, I am skeptical because Michigan has taught me to be skeptical. They also have no vertical passing game. And they You're skeptical cuz Michigan has taught you to be skeptical. In the last 2 weeks they have thrown the ball for they have thrown the ball 26 times. Now Cade has been efficient, but he only threw the ball 15 times on Saturday night for 44 yards. He completed of, he completed 7 of them for 40 okay, so was, for 44 that's yards. That's what I'm more worried about there from a completion percentage perspective because here's the deal. This is what I texted you Saturday. Why throw the football if the run game's working for you? And clearly Jim Harbaugh went to Josh Gaddis. Uh, one of the commentators, Todd Blackledge, said this during the broadcast. He said, clearly Jim Harbaugh has gone to Josh Gaddis over the offseason and said, we're going to get back to running the football the way I am. So I don't know if this is just establishing the ground game and then bringing the quarterback and the passing game along later. But it's going to get a lot harder now without Ronnie Bell. But they have plenty of wide receiver talent. So... I'm skeptical. I'm more hopeful. I was I started at 30% during the season, up to 50 after Western Michigan, and I'm going to give it a good 60% now. It, it, it's it's interesting. They have, uh, I mean, they're ranked. 25, yes. They're, they're, they're ranked, and that's probably... <laughs> that's probably the best ranking that the AP has in their AP poll. The coaches poll is much better and much more accurate to go off of right now than the, uh, sorry, than the The, AP poll. The AP poll is a joke, yes. Mm -hmm. The AP poll is a joke right now. Go off of the coaches poll. It's much more accurate. But what you're seeing here right now is they have a, that's me knocking on wood. They have an easy game in Northern, in Northern Illinois. Um, then they have Rutgers and then Wisconsin. That right um, there, two weeks, two weeks, yeah. and it's in Camp Randall. Right. So it's going to be on the road. My right. guess is it's going to be a three thirty or even a night game. Game day might even be there. If Michigan wins next the next two weeks and looks good doing it, they'll probably be yeah. like eighteen by that point. You know, right. low twenties, high teens, and. Wisconsin will be somewhere like 15. It'll be a good matchup, and it'll be a good test because the last couple times that Wisconsin and Michigan have played, Wisconsin has absolutely shredded Michigan along the defensive line and when they're on defense and Michigan's trying to run the ball. So it's going yeah. to be a good test. If, if Wisconsin can beat Notre Dame, that's going to be a very good game. Wisconsin plays Notre Dame? Wisconsin plays Notre Dame this, this Saturday. No. No, they don't. Yeah. I'm looking at the Wisconsin schedule. does not play Notre Dame this Saturday. I'm looking at the effing schedule. It's literally right in front of me. Their 12 p.m. game on Fox. It's the big noon kickoff game. What's that? Saturday, September 25th. That's next week, genius. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, well, no, well and then because if it's if it's happening this Saturday, then I'm missing oh. a big game here, bud. I'm sorry, they had the bye week. Normally, they have. Normally, it's different. I'm sorry. No, to everybody you, you just freak, you just freaked me out. You just freaked me out because I missed a big game, and I thought it's I on. It's 
on my Friday. It's today is my Friday. So anyway, continue. Okay. Kaya. If you're watching, I'm being optimistic as normal. You're being pessimistic as normal. It's been that way for our entire life. Continue. Wa- Washington. If you're Washington, oof, you lost to Montana and then, okay, fine. But then you got to get back up for Michigan. And yes, the offensive performance sort of is expected because you kind of lost offensively that the big house was as loud as I've ever heard it, but you got pushed around for 350 yards on the ground. That's just unacceptable. Let's go because it's garbage. Exactly. Iowa, Iowa state. What was promised as the big hype up afternoon game game day was in Ames, Iowa really turned out to kind of be a dud if you're an Iowa State fan. Iowa has a fantastic defense. They had another four turnovers on Saturday. That marked seven in the first two games. Their offense, however, leaves something to be desired. They only had like 220 total yards of offense. They threw the ball for like 130 yards, and they rushed for like, you know, like 110. They're very, again, what have we said about Iowa, though, all along? They're kind of very basic. Great defense, fundamental offensively, but they're going to have to open this thing up eventually and get a downfield play-action pass game if they want to beat the big boys and Ohio State and try to make a run at the playoff. They have the defense to do it. Iowa's defense is fantastic. That secondary, good luck throwing on it. And their linebackers are good and their defensive line is just good enough to wreak havoc. Meanwhile, if you're Iowa State, you have been in, you have gotten these haters earlier in the season and haven't been able to recover. Now, you did last year losing to Louisiana. You bounced back and made the Big 12 championship game. That's still in play, but you have not looked good through the first two seasons. All of your core offensive talent are seniors or fifth-year seniors. This should be a lot better and a lot tidier early on. And their name that's being thrown around is Matt, for the USC job, is Matt Campbell. So is some writing on the wall here? I don't know. But don't write... Here's the deal. Don't write... One last thing. Don't write yeah. off Iowa State yet. I wanna... Wait, let them get to October and then write them off. Write Iowa State off. Um... <laughs> I'm telling you, Brock Purdy you basically is dropped awesome in October. You dropped two. I get that you're in the Big 12, but you basically dropped two. Technically, you're one and one. I get it. But when you lose that badly to Iowa, they outgained. This isn't here. The bad part is they outgained an out time of possession to Iowa, too. They only lost because of the turnovers, and it's every September this happens. And then okay, October, but, they'll look fantastic. And November, they'll look the fantastic. I'm, when it comes to these white hor- uh, these black horses teams. Dark horse is the what, word you're looking for. Dark horse. Well, okay. Both. Um, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen. Every single coach who didn't switch jobs last year is in the talk for this USC job. Because Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, Fickle, yep, he's in talk. Started the season great with Cincinnati. He, he also has commented at saying he likes that he's building something. I think uh, I'm sure Matt Rule, no, the guy down in the Louisiana coach, and I'm sure that the Coastal Carolina coach, another big game for Coastal Carolina coming up. 
is also in the talk for the USC for USC job. It doesn't. Everybody who didn't get a job. Okay, so let's figure out who USC is going to call as a coach. Who, by the way, if they're smart, they're waiting till the end of the season. They're calling an interim head coach. It worked pretty well for the guy that they just fired. So the wait the pro- and then call it at the end of the season. The, pro- the problem is with USC is they need a certain brand of coach. You have to. They're like Texas. You, ha- they're, you they're, have. I'm sorry. They are exactly like you Texas. You have to be an L. Yeah. I mean, same thing. You have or, to be. Or Notre Dame. You have to be like part of. You have to get the brand. You have to be able to rub shoulders and have Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell on your practice field. And you got to be a little L.A. And I don't think Luke Fickle screams a little L.A. to me. If, he would great coach. Just that's at least what I've heard him, on the podcast. I'm ranked top 10. I'm staying there. I'm staying there because I'm in two in four years. If I can get top five this year. And in three years, and in three years, you're going to be in the big 12. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Move to the next one. Yep. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. You know, one of these times we're going to have that soundbite when I'm talking about Oklahoma State. However, Oklahoma State hasn't looked all that good through the first two weeks, but that's neither here nor there. Spoiler alert for Simeon. Oh. Foreshadowing. Nebraska Buffalo, baby. Nebraska, you finally won a game you were supposed to. We said Buffalo. <laughs> we said Nebraska. Buff- Congratulations. We said Buffalo plus the points. It was not Buffalo. It was not points. Buffalo. It was twenty-eight to three. Nebraska racked up five hundred. The points sixteen. That was. The it was fourteen. Okay, fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Nebraska racked up over five hundred yards offensively and over three hundred yards rushing. I already Maybe touched on. Stupid. Here's the problem. You had nine penalties and a turnover. And what did I say last week? Because I listened to the podcast all this week. I, what I said last week was the problem with Scott Frost is not that they're losing, but that they're really sloppy both when they win and when they lose. They're turning the ball over. Penalties. You know, catching punts on the one-yard line going into the end zone and then trying to throw it out of the end zone for a safety in week one. Like, you can't have that sort of that sort of thing. Now, it's a good kind of starting point, but here's the problem. Now you're walking into Norman, Oklahoma this week for the big noon kickoff against Oklahoma. And Very so you're... Your defense has given up a ton of yards early on. You have no identity. Your offense is coming along. You're running the ball more, which is good. But the problem is Oklahoma is just going to take the ball and shove it right down your throat. You're a 22-point underdog. You're probably going to lose by three touchdowns. And I don't think Scott Frost needs to be fired because he loses to Oklahoma by three touchdowns. But if he loses to Oklahoma by five touchdowns because they have four turnovers and 13 penalties, then yeah, maybe it's time to think about Scott Frost. But if they lose to Oklahoma by three touchdowns and they have five penalties and they have like a crazy interception or just one turnover, now you're like, well, at least they're competing. And that was, I was listening to the college football podcast today with all the ESPN bros, as I like to call them. They said Nebraska when they were really running in the 90s and in the 80s, they were never, they never had elite talent, but they always fought tooth 
a nail for everything. They were like a small school, you know, one of these, like a Cincinnati that would always just be there and just throw punches no matter how many punches they took. So can Nebraska do that this weekend? I don't think so. I think that they're in, they're going to run into buzzsaw because Oklahoma just hung 70 now, albeit on Western Carolina, but still they hung 70. Listen, I know I just commented on the fact that I'm normally the, 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 uh, the optimist of the two of us. And that has, uh, strained our relationship here or there I'm sure a couple of times throughout our lifetime however there are two things that I have now been pessimistic about that I'm afraid that I'm right on first Spencer Rattler definitely not a Heisman quarterback after three Heisman quarterbacks that um oh I just blanked on his name uh no Lincoln Riley has had he has an absolute bust comparatively what, what do you Spencer after yes i'm calling it after I'm what after it. after a two interception game against Tulane, did you see what he just did against western carolina it's western carolina i could do that against western carolina well that's not true you got kicked off your flag football team sir okay so did you <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I yeah you had some burning hot takes on the podcast last week. That's another one. You just need to chill. It, no. It was no, no, no. one week against Tulane. He's allowed to throw two interceptions. Has, oh, he's going to win the Heisman. He's in this year? Yes. No! Book it. <laughs> he's winning All the right. Heisman. What are, let's look at the odds. I'll look at the odds then for Spencer Radler winning the Heisman. Okay. I get, I'm guessing. Let's just, let's just take play this little mini game here podcast mini game brought to you by no one brought to you by you the fans uh who wins 10, who wins the big game this uh week uh a or p comment down below like and subscribe comment down below uh, uh 10,000 what are you what are you calling on the odds that he's winning on the odds yeah so you're saying plus 10,000 if uh, yeah or minus whichever one it is i don't get betting he, he's going to be like plus 450 I think he's the Heisman leader, bro. Okay. Well, by the way, I should totally. Uh, that's probably not true. Bryce Young's probably the Heisman leader right now. He's he's probably going to be like plus six fifty. Let's take a look. Heisman. Spent Morado. Wow, I was way off. Told you. You were close. Told you. But no cigar. Uh, nine hundred plus nine hundred. He is currently right there with C.J. Stroud. And uh, who's first? Bryce Young. At what? You nailed it. 300. And then who's next? Matt Corral. Matt Corral. The old, no, Old Miss isn't going to win enough games. And then and then is it them? Where are they? Nathan. They're third and fourth. They're third and fourth, respectively. They're oh, technically no. tied for third. Okay, if by go guys. ahead. The Oklahoma He's quarterbacks. Not. He's not. He's going to. Maybe, maybe by his senior year. I'll give him that. This year. He's going to go no. to the draft after this year, bro. He's a top five pick. Isn't he a sophomore? He's a he's a red shirt sophomore. Oh, he's a red. So he can leave if he wants to. Okay. Well, anyway, take, let's I'm move on to Utah him. BYU. Uh, no, I, I wanted to comment my other thing. Oh, my other pessimistic. Oh yeah, I aspect. forgot we were on that. We were on Simeon being pessimistic. Besides Spencer Rattler, uh, it's that Scott Frost is Nebraska's problem, discipline problem. Remember, remember, year after he left, we looked at USC 
especially like the second year after he left. UCF all guys, UCF, uh, all his guys were out there. You remember how they lost all their games that year? Well, they lost more than none. Yeah, they lost like four or five. Yeah, yeah, they lost all their games because of penalties. They'd have literally hundreds of yards of penalty. Yeah, they were so undisciplined. Yeah, they legitimately looked like they should have been on next chance you. Like that's how undisciplined all these these guys look. You're just butchering things. It's last chance you. That's what I said. No, you said next chance you. I said last. Chance no, you, you didn't. All right, we'll play it back. Comment down below which one I said because I'm not going to pay attention. Um. So yeah, uh, last chance you. I don't, dude. I think he's either a problem. I want to love him because I think Nebraska is one of those brands that needs to be a brand for college football to be awesome. It's like Texas. It's like UCS. Uh, UCS, UCS <laughs> University of California, Sacramento, Sacramento. If that's even a school, I don't. They're probably is. not. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I'm being a little bit pessimistic right now about Scott Frost. I'll hear him out. Just let go. Hear out Spencer Radler. I'm gonna be right about him. I'm gonna hear him out though. And now we can move on to the, my biggest shock of the week. Yeah, we did not so we didn't do very well. I went 3 and 2 in money line in telling you winners, so that's all right. So now I am uh that's six. Hold on, I'm canceling a bet before I spend. I'm 9 and 3 on the year. However, betting-wise, what I told everyone to bet on last week, I was 1 and 4. So I was pretty terrible last week and I do apologize, but we're going to uh be good this week. Okay. I hear you. I feel you. Utah got out Utah by BYU. They allowed 220 rushing yards to BYU and turned the ball over twice. That that's B that's Utah forces teams to do that. This was in Provo. This was at night. Everyone was hype. BYU's got a little shot to kind of be in that mix again for new year six if they can keep this train rolling i'm still not a believer in byu but we shall see so yes we were wrong about byu we were wrong about utah i'm kind of disappointed in utah but again the pac-12 because it was non-conference is still out there for you to take sark i told you went down to arkansas at the beginning of this podcast and lost after beating louisiana he was a little overhyped about after week one, I think, the Texas program was. Everyone's freaking out that he that they don't have an identity. He's not doing blah, 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 blah. I told you in an earlier pod, you got to give him time. This program, yes, they had good recruits from Tom Herman, but they didn't have a winning culture. It takes time. A lot, all of the... Tom Herman recruits fifth year, fourth year seniors have left. You just got to give Sark to build this program the way he wanted. He has not started conference play. He'll he'll be fine. So just give him time. That's it? Yeah, that's it. So if you want to hit a button, I can... <laughs> I'm in danger. And just a quick uh, tidbit. Two quick tidbits from the limited NFL I watched on Sunday. The Eagles offensive line looked much better. They ran the ball for 170 yards against the Falcons. Jalen Hurts, could he be the next Lamar Jackson? He, I saw this fun fact about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has more 300 
yard passing games in his career than Lamar Jackson does. And Jalen Hurts has played five games and Lamar Jackson has played like 30 some. What? Okay. Also, Baker Mayfield was outstanding against the Chiefs in a loss 21 uh, for 28. They should have won that game. 321 and an interception, and they should have won the game. But here's the deal. You're playing Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, and that's That's just just going to happen. F it. Throw it to Tyreek Hill. You just got to run. Cleveland, don't get away from who you are. You got to run that football. A little quick update before we jump into uh, quick. Uh, week two preview. Um, me and Micaiah both lost our fantasy games. Um, we play each other this week. We play each other, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, comment down below. Yes. A or P, and then M or S. Yeah. Who do you think's gonna win? Right now, I'm favored by six. Yeah. Um. If, basically, and also Zeke Elliott and Aaron Jones. If you can pick it up, because you guys are the only reason I lost last week, and Aaron Rodgers, get your ish together, because I need tutties thrown to your tight end and your running back, and whatever kind of voodoo you're hanging over your team because you're pouting because you're leaving or whatever you're doing, you want to go host Jeopardy, do it on your own time. I got to host Jeopardy. I He can do whatever he wants. He's Aaron Rodgers. Anyway. I need a fantasy win this week. So get it together because I need to beat my co-host. I, money I think money sh- line is uh, five and a half right now. For what? For the for the week. Money, that's where the money line's at. For us. Oh, oh, uh, us is the over-under is five. Yeah, five and, five and a half, yeah. Five points. Uh, I think also what we should do is start talking uh, ish on our other fantasy people that we have no idea who they are, and then no and then just post are. this podcast also, of, to the to the like the chat yeah, board every week. Yeah, just every week. Yo, whoever Frank Book is, your name sucks. The Cleveland River Rats. Okay, no, but it's not. It sucks less than Sam Marks's Chi Town Forty Six. Shy Town 46. What the F is that? Cleveland, at least that's like Cleveland River Lats. At least that's like creative. Okay, yeah, Shy Town 46. Okay, that's let's bad. get into it. You got to st- Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. There is Team Dover. Ooh. Do you know Red, who their coach is? Red Rover, Red Rover, send Dover right over. Do you know who their coach is? Who's that? His first name's uh, Benjamin. Oof. He goes by his uh, name, Ben. Okay. Bend over. <laughs> I kid you not. That's the guy's username. Alrighty. ESPN is bend over. Anyway, uh, let's preview week two. We're we're excited. We are. Uh, excited. Actually, this is week three. A uh, week three. I have. I literally have it named correctly, except it didn't save. So I'm going to name it correctly right now. So week three. Week three. Better matchups, more ranked matchups than last week. I'm excited for it, as always, although I'm always excited for college football. However, we have one, two, three ranked matchups, plus some other interesting ones that we'll throw in there. But let's start with the Nooner game here. Miami going, oh, I'm sorry, Michigan State going down two Number 24, Miami. So Miami got blown out in week one against Alabama and then was on the ropes late against Appalachian State, a very good Sun Belt Appalachian State team. Yes. Michigan State 
played Northwestern and then um, Youngstown State is averaging 299 yards rushing. They're very balanced, 254 yards passing. However, their defense allows about 350. To be fair, that's that's about average. It's not low. That's about average for what I've seen. Yeah. You mean 350? Correct. Yeah. That's a good point. Michigan State won two games last year, already have won two games this year. Mel Tucker has a lot of transfers in there. They have uh, Walker, their running back, is from Wake Forest. He's very fast, very dynamic. Michigan State's got some players. Miami is licking their wounds still from Alabama. I feel like that's what that game was last week. I would have hoped for a little bit more oomph, but Appalachian State gets up for every D1 big school they play since they beat Michigan. Miami, though, hasn't looked groundbreaking offensively, and you should with all 11 returning starters on offense. They average 189, again, through two games, 189 through the air and 131 on the ground, and they're allowing 413 yards and 276 passing. They're better against the run, which is what Michigan State's good at, But Manny Diaz is a defensive-minded coach, and he's not defensive-minding this. Michigan State's getting six and a half. Miami's... six here, so... Oh, okay, so it's even better then. Miami is, I think, will play better than last week and the week before. But Matt Berry, again, one of the ESPN bros... Calls it Alabama shock. You get it. You get absolutely railroaded by Alabama in week one. It takes you a week or two to kind of be like, that's not who we are. Who we are is this. Like Alabama sets such a high standard for everyone that you got to come back to earth a little bit. So with that being said, Simeon, who you got? Two things. First, can we ban all names that have a fruit in them? Matthew Berry. Major Applewhite, get him out of here. Don't want him. I want to eat my fruit. Don't want to see him. Second thing. Okay. Um, Miami, uh, Miami plus the points under. It's at fifty six and a half according to ESPN's Pick Center. I'm taking the under on that one. Don't think it's going to be high scoring. I think actually Miami wins this technically. Wow. Um, and here's why Miami's really good at winning the games that don't matter, <laughs> that matter. So they're, they choke, but then they'll go and beat the Michigan States who are, who look like they're on coming, coming up after just a coaching change, right? That's what it looks like right now to me. I think that's why Miami's going to come out and surprise us all, but also don't put any money on that. Because I'll probably be wrong. Uh, I think you're going to pick Michigan State, though. I am going to pick Michigan State. Yeah. They have a very talented quarterback. Again, a transfer. They got a good rushing attack. It's a nooner game in Miami. And that stadium is not going to be full whatsoever. No crowd, at least at the start of the game. Hopefully, they'll filter in by the end there. But I think the fans are kind of a little getting a little bored of Miami, especially noon in Miami. Everyone's just waking up. I'm going to take Michigan State, and I'm going to take them outright to win the game. I like them. Now, I might bet Michigan State plus the plus the six, 
but I, with it being just a touchdown, I think it's a touchdown game either way. I'm just going to bet. Yeah. I, I'm going to bet Miami straight up here, but I like Michigan State to win. Actually, what I'm going to do this week is I'm just going to bet all the money lines, even if it's not advantageous to. Uh, but I, yeah. So I, I but he's Micaiah right now. He's better if you actually bet the money lines. Now. I am fantastic if you bet the money line right yeah. now. Yeah. So he's uh he, he's if you bet the money line right now he's seven and three. Yeah. If you if you follow the non money money lines his betting lines right now. Yeah. He's uh four and six. So yeah. 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 I'm not. I'm not very good. Well, I'm actually worse than that. Actually, you're I'm better four, than that. I'm, yeah, no, just... I'm four and eight. Yeah, I didn't realize you, there was week zero there yeah, for you. I'm four. You're still doing better than I am in my life. I'm four and eight, and I'm nine and three in yeah. money line betting. Yeah. So, so follow the money lines if you want to win some money. However, money line betting in freaking college sucks. Yeah, it does suck because There's you no, get you get really bad odds. There's Absolutely. no. You got to find a better bookie there. Uh, but, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, let's do. You know what? Let's. Let's just go with the 330 game. This is a big game in and of itself. However, it's not the biggest game of the weekend, but it still sort of is. But it's SEC football, so eh, that's how I feel about it. It's number one Alabama going to the swamp to take on the University of Florida. UF, not FU. Florida's getting 15. 15- no, Florida is FU. No, they're UF. No, they're FU. They legitimately are FU. Are they, they're Florida I, They're University. technically the University of Florida, but when they're on a ticker, they're FU. Okay. Anyway, Florida's getting 15 and a half. Their offense is totally fantastic early on. Again, they're playing lesser competition so far. They're averaging 609 yards, 228 yards passing, a monstrous 381 yards rushing a game. Their defense is okay. They're allowing 224 yards passing a game, and their defensive rushing is much better at only 100 yards a game. But most teams are just trying to pass all the time against them because they're so far behind. Meanwhile, you flip over to Alabama. They have the current leader in for the Heisman in Bryce Young. They're averaging 462, 310 pass, 152 rush. They are allowing 77 yards rushing and 173 yards passing. Again, this is Nick Saban's, and I put this in air quotes for those of you listening, best defense. This was his best defense. He wouldn't be allowing that. Alabama has all the studs and the brand. Florida, who plays quarterback? Is it Anthony Richardson, who last week was 3-for-3, came in for a couple plays, Passed the ball three times, completed all three for 152 yards and two touchdowns, and ran the ball uh, like four times for 115 yards. He's he, he's a dual threat. Now he late in that game he kind of pulled up with a hamstring, so we're not quite sure what's going on there. Or is it Emory Jones, the senior, the guy who's waited his turn? Or will it be a combination? I, I, I'm probably it's probably more going to be a combination. But everyone agrees that Anthony Richardson gives them the best shot against Alabama because he's more dual threat. So Simeon, are you going with Bama, or are you going with Florida? Um, so far, Bama has proved me right. Remember Week Zero? You're like, nah, Bama isn't there, and I'm like, 
Bama's going to be there. And guess where Bama was week one against Miami. Um, here's the deal. Alabama has dominated the state of Florida just in general for its entire career, um, at least under Nick Saban. But then again, Nick Saban's record is phenomenal. Um, I'm taking Alabama. Pick Center has them at 14 and a half. Call it 15 and a half. Um, I, I may, I may do, I made this list two days ago, so it probably yeah. did lower. Yeah. Okay. Over under is at 59 and a half. Um, I don't think, I think it's a 10 to 14 point game. Um, I don't think it's a 14 plus point game. I don't think it's a 60 point game. This is the best, uh, both offense and defense that Alabama has seen with 609 total yards right now. Um, so, or is that average? I don't know how that works anyway. Um, so, yeah. that That's average. That's average. Uh, which, granted, that's against two state of Florida teams. But I just don't think Florida's consistent enough yet. I think maybe next year or the year after they'll be more consistent. But, yeah, I pick Alabama and you're picking Alabama. So, I'm obviously picking Alabama. Now, if you pick the money line, it's minus 800, which means I'm winning, like, an eighth of a penny. So I'm not even winning a full penny if right. you bet 10 cents, right? So if you right. bet a dollar, you're winning eight cents. Right. Okay. So it's not even advantageous for me to bet the money line. So I will not bet the money line this week. And I will encourage everyone to take the over because I think Florida is going to score enough. They're going to score gonna be 24, but Alabama's going to score 40. That's a good point. I just, I've been impressed 14, held to 14 in both of them. And that's against Mercer, who they could do whatever they want with. But basically, they're averaging 13 and a half points right now. That's impressive. But then again, this is the best defense they've seen so far. So who knows, you know? Yeah, that is true. All right. Let's go to uh, the late game. It is number 19, Arizona State, the Sun Devils, going to Provo and BYU, newly ranked 23 overall. BYU, however, is still the underdog, getting three and a half points. They BYU is passing the ball for 178 yards per game, and they're almost averaging 200 yards on the ground. They are allowing 137 yards rushing total and 383. You flip it over to Arizona State. They are a running football team. They are averaging 256 on the ground. They allow 83 yards rushing. So the note I made here, both stout defensively, however, Arizona State has not looked good against lesser opponents. However, it looks like Arizona State is better defensively. So, Simeon, Arizona State or BYU? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to play that real there, there real quick. This is one of my locks of the week. Oh, snap! Simeon's lock! Simeon's lock, lock, yeah, lock that's of right. the An- week. That is right. We have another. I have two this week. Oh, I saw two. That surprised right. me. All so right. A little bit of foreshadowing for you there. Here's the deal. Um, 
I'm going to take Arizona State. I think I get that they really haven't played too much. I just like Herm Edwards too much, I think. Um, but also, I'm again, this is one of those that I'm probably going to be wrong. The over-under right now is at 51, which is a joke for how high-powered offense these two teams have been so far this year against the teams that they have been. Um, put up the Sun Devils have put up 41 and 37 respectively. The Cougars have put up 24 and 26 against good defensives respectively. This is going to be a 60 point game Ooh. in my opinion. Yeah, it is um, at least 50 points and the over under 51 my lock of the week. And this is true. I have it locked in right now on my fan duel. Take the over. Oh, buddy. All right. All right. I'm going to – I'm also taking Arizona State. I don't know if you predicted that, but I'm taking it. Arizona State seems – and I'm with you. I like Herm Edwards a lot. I don't believe in BYU. I never have. Even last year when they were undefeated, I don't believe in BYU. They're playing lesser competition. But BYU is at home. Another night game for them. But Arizona State stout defensively. Herm Edwards always goes to – when he's the visiting road team, or if he's playing a school he should lose to, they always find a way to win. They have a more experienced quarterback in Jalen Daniels, and they have a great running game, and their running defense, I think, stops the rushing attack of BYU. It's a close game, but take Arizona State, everybody. That's that's gonna be an interesting one for me. From I just, and, and uh, from a play in, but play also in, you from a Cougars from a Sun Devils like this is a very interesting from all perspectives. But from a also conference last everything. last week between BYU they didn't even hit fifty they hit like forty something. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't have to lock them in last week. I'm, all I'm saying is fifty one's a high number. Technically, it, for it is two teams for that what don't they're score averaging a lot. right now. But remember. This is a team that put up 49 on UCF, on UCF last year. And remember, I was off by a freaking half point okay. on Arizona State All right. earlier. All I'm saying is you lo- I think you locked it in. I, I I wouldn't have touched that number. I would have made your lock of the week that Arizona State wins. But anyway, here we go. Uh, an interesting game. I think that is very much off the radar. It's on the ACC network. It is unranked Virginia getting nine points going to Chapel Hill to take on the North Carolina. Eight points now. It's what? Eight. It's eight. Okay, either way, eight points. Virginia going to take on the number 21 ranked Tar Heels. North Carolina is averaging 480 yards. They are averaging 307 pass and 173 rush. And on defense, they're allowing 283 with 129, 154. Here's the problem with North Carolina. Last year, they were so good running the football with their two backs, 2,000-yard rushers. Sam Howell had the RPO game working perfectly. Sam Howell is the leading rusher of North Carolina. Meanwhile, you flip it over to Virginia. Oh, and that's not very good. Your quarterback should not lead your team in rushing, just so you know. I don't care that rushing wins football games. I really don't, or that it makes it easy. If your quarterback's the one doing it, that's a bad recipe for success. Meanwhile, Virginia's smoking people. 
offensively. 550 yards a game. There, It's almost all through the air with 381 in the air and 169 pass. Their defense is very similar to North Carolina's 261 um, with averaging, giving up 260 with one, 155 pass and uh, buck 05 on the ground. Their quarterback, okay? Armstrong, uh, sort of, it's late. It's past my bedtime at this point. Got it. Their quarterback, Armstrong, spun it for 300, almost 400 yards last week. He's currently 48 for 67, 744 yes. yards, seven TDs and one iron. Yes, he is, Virginia hasn't had talent like this at the offensive quarterback position in since I've been following college football. This is a trap game for North Carolina, and it's it's at night. It's seven o'clock, so it'll be packed, and it's an ACC game, so there will be people there. Simeon, who you got? Um, I have Virginia on this one. I think. Virginia winning outright? Virginia winning. They have to get eight points, so technically no. But yes, I think it's a one-score game. I think it's a one-touchdown game specifically. I don't think it's going to win, be winning by five. I don't think it's going to be a field goal last minute. I think it's – I. I'm just getting the sense that it's going to be a high-powered, like, offensive-type game where it's either going to be, like, 17 to 10 sort of deal because defenses are – putting up but like they're barely putting up or you know it's gonna be you know 42 35 sort of deal what's the over under uh, you're taking the under it's at 66 and a half um oh, yeah so you're taking the For under sure. here yeah. but i'm taking i'm taking virginia just because i think Nick. they're there this year question mark but granted they've played william and mary in illinois so who knows who am I taking? I think you're going to take Tar Heels. So I thought about this long and hard, and that's why I did this. And that's why I picked this game. And I was going to take the Tar Heels until I found out that Sam Howell was the leading rusher. <laughs> and then I'm like, that's not a great recipe for success. I don't feel good about this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and take Virginia. I would encourage if if you like my if you don't think if you think along my thinking with Sam Howell being the leading rusher and you don't like that but you think that it would be in a night game in Chapel Hill with all the fans and everything that North Carolina is probably going to win this game. I would take Virginia plus the points. However, I'm going to take Virginia outright. I think that this is a down year, and if you, if you're, again, if I cannot stress this enough, if your quarterback is leading your team in rushing, when you return all five offensive linemen and a quarterback, and I get you have young running backs behind you and young skilled players, you gotta get something, and Virginia can absolutely throw it all over the field and Vatek just lit him up back Braxton Burmeister just lit him up in week one so you expect me Virginia not to do the exact same thing I like Virginia I'm talking myself into this you know what just bet Virginia money line I love it hey I mean listen listen man 
I'm trying. I I don't even care. I'm excited for it. I I, I hope I win some money off of that. Okay. Well, Jack, here's the deal. I'm the best there is. Plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning. I piss excellence. Finally, the game of the night. 7:30 ABC. It's a whiteout. The most electric sports scene in all of college football, maybe of all the sports, the whiteout at Penn State. Comment down below, Auburn, Penn State, A or P. Number 22, Auburn, is going on the road to face Penn State at home, obviously. This is the first time Auburn is going on the road to face a Big Ten opponent since 1931. That's just a fun fact for you, so use that well, on that your friends. Very, that is a very fun it fact. It is a very I fun fact. I'm very amused right now. Auburn's getting six points. They average 340 yards on the ground, okay? Their defense has allowed 182 yards total and 21-and-a-half-yard rushing. Again, I cannot stress this enough. They have played no significant competition. I cannot stress that enough. This and is they have new two new coaches, right? They have the three. New they coaches. have entire new coaching staff. This is yeah. Boise State's old coach, not Chris oh, Peterson, right. the guy after him. They average 575 yards total. Bo Nix, their cornerback, started as a true freshman, is. Awesome at home and terrible on the road. His QBR is 30-something on the road. He throws picks. He turns the ball over. His completion percentage goes from like 65 to 52. It's He's terrible. He's night and day on the road. Now you're walking into the most hostile environment in all of sports. You know, the argument could be made in all of sports. Penn State, on the other hand, they're averaging 250 in the air, 145, and they've allowed 124 yards rushing on the ground defensively. Keys for Penn State. Can Sean Clifford continue to play clean, which he has at this point? Can they run the football and hold up against an SEC defensive line? Wisconsin's defensive line beat them up in week one. We... I, we documented it well and it's not getting any easier you can say what you want but once the players are there and it's a little easier for defense because the crowd's not as into it when Penn State's on offense it's gonna be tough well I would hope it's tough to run the ball because the SC's Auburn's defensive line and linebackers are legit but the thing is Auburn's played no one both games at home. Yes, they scored 60 points in the first two weeks for the first time in school history. But Bo Nix, who plays awesome at home and terrible on the road, is going to walk into a place where he should just just lay, just lay dig a hole, lay down in it, and cover himself up with dirt. Because it's, it's a recipe for disaster. So, yeah. can he right the wrongs of the past and get this done? Simeon. Who you got? Um, I'm interested. I want to. I'm gonna answer this question, but I want to ask one first. Sure. Over under is 53. Is that right? Are you picking over? Or are you picking under? Because I honestly don't know. I would say. I would say under. For I would say. Under. I, I, I would say under I, too. I, 
I think this is going to look a lot here. Here, let me just get into sure. my spiel. I think this is going to look a lot like week one against Wisconsin, yeah. except less sloppy for Penn State. I think, don't be surprised, 17-10, 16-10 sort of deal. Also, don't be surprised here. It's Penn State's game to lose, okay? They have the home fieldest advantage of all home, home fieldest advantages. Of, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. what I was going to say. 100%. Like, we're talking it, – it, it's, it beats some soccer atmosphere. Well, it, it beats most, if not all, soccer atmospheres, yes. which is what it's competing with. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it is whiteout. I have a coworker who sold her tickets that she's now regretting because she doesn't work Saturdays anymore. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is – I think you're going to get consistency from Auburn from a defensive, like, SEC perspective. Sure. That's what the SEC yep. is good at. It's can their defense, can Penn State's defense hold up, and are they going to scheme enough to get past Auburn's defense, which is an SEC defense? And you're getting, no offense, you're getting all the Alabama, Louisiana, all the Alabama second recruits. So you're talking, you're getting a bunch of four and other five-star recruits who don't want to go to Alabama or another school and want to stay close. So, yes, they played Akron. We don't know what their defense really looked like. They played Alabama State. Again, we don't know what their defense really looks like. But at the same time, kind of who knows. So that's why I'm saying it's Penn State's game to lose. I'm still taking Penn State. It's at home. It's wide out. It's going to be impossible for Auburn. You want to talk about the 12th man? It's more like the 13th and the 15th man when it's whiteout when it's whiteout night. And if you get the ball rolling fast, you're going to get trucked. So I'm with you with Bo Nix. He can't. He's not going to be cool under pressure, just because you can't be cool under pressure when you're here. Tom Brady would have a hard time being cool under pressure here. It is what it is. Penn State to lose, but I still think they're going to win. And I think it's going to be more than five, but not barely, barely, ladies and gentlemen. So Penn State should always win these night out games. They, they should. In recent history, Penn State has not blown out any whiteout game opponent besides Michigan three or so years ago. Yep. And then they played Michigan again when Michigan was terrible. And they, they were blowing them out and then Michigan came back. These whiteout games should not be as close as they are. Okay. Penn State relies so heavily on the crowd in these whiteout games that I think it's too much so. Here's the different the difference in Bo Nix this year compared to under um, under the last regime. Yeah. It is a running football team. They are averaging 340 yards on the ground. They want to run the football. Boise State ran the football. They Auburn wants to run the football. So yeah. it is, can Penn State stop Auburn's running game? Because if they do, then I think, yes, then they do win this game. However, I don't think that they can. Yeah, I think it is a close game. I would take the under in that scenario. But I'm taking Auburn to win outright. I think Penn State, yes, Auburn hasn't been there, but this coach used to coach a team that had to get his kids up every single week because they were playing higher competition at Boise State, especially early in the season. He's going to motivate them, and he's 
he's going to tell them just because you're Auburn doesn't mean you're better. Okay. Right. Penn State's going to have the crowd advantage, but this should be a 14 point spread right off the bat. But it's not because Auburn is still SEC in the trenches. Yes, it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a four or five point game. So I would, I would, you know, you could take Auburn plus six if you wanted to. But I, I'm taking Auburn outright, and I really feel good about that. I, it's just, it's just something, something about this Auburn scheme running the football just seems a little different than when it was on. I can't even remember his name. But when it was under the previous regime, Gus, Gus, Gus Malzahn, something. thank you. Yeah. When it yeah. was under Gus Malzahn, it was pass happy. They are run happy now. Can Penn State's defense hold up? That's the key to the game, defensively stopping the run and then protecting Sean Clifford. That is the key to the game. But I, just to recap, I am taking Michigan State. I am taking Alabama, but I'm taking the... Over. I am taking Auburn. I am taking Arizona State. And I am taking Virginia. So, with that being said, you said you had two locks. Is that right? I have two locks this week. Hopefully this one's better than your other one. Because it's garbage. That's what you think of my other one. Okay? And if you can't, if that doesn't help you out, we also have... Come after me! I'm a man. I'm four. I love it. Let's do it. Can you guess who I'm picking? Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, Boise State. Oh. Okay. This is an interesting game. Now, currently, Boise State is only averaging 25 and a half points per game. But Boise State is averaging 42 and a half. And we know from in the past, Oklahoma State, if they want to, can put up, can run the, can put, do whatever they want, basically. But they haven't. Can, so they far. haven't. So far. But the money line is 57 and a half. The over okay? under, you mean? The over under. Sorry, not the money line. The over under is 57 and a half. Okay. Boise State is averaging 42 points a game. And they will put 42 points on you. How much is their defense given up? Their defense has allowed, uh, sorry, total yards, yards allowed. Should be right on. 454. That's the point that I'm trying to get out here. So, to me, this is an easy over as well. Oh. Okay. It's a close over, just like my other one, in my opinion. You like these over-unders, man. Well, it was this week. I was going to go from an outright. I might have been thinking about NFL, but I was scrolling through because I like shopping. It relaxes me for some reason. And You're a basic white a lot girl. Like shopping. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Betting is a lot like shopping. And so I was scrolling through FanDuel because it was a little slow at work. Bosses went home, not going to lie, and I'm leaving this job. So, you know. Um so I was scrolling through, saw this game, saw the over-under, know these can be two high-powered teams, know it could easily be 30-25, 30 30 35 Where is 25 it? Where's the game? Deal. Uh, it's on Still, Stillwater? I 
think it is. Hold on, let me confirm. I think it's in Boise. Oh, yes. Wow. It's in Boise too. Okay. So, and this would be a Boise State team that will drop sixty on you. So Boise could do the over under by themselves. And it's a late game. Uh, it's three hour delay, so it's technically a six p.m. game, but it's a six p.m. game, and you know in Boise they like to get crazy. I've never been to Boise, but I'll take your I, word for it. I haven't either, but their fans show up is basically No, I, I get that. So, There's nothing else to do. I'm doing two because I've sucked so far. I'm 0-3 on all my picks, but we're taking the over on both games, and the second game is Oklahoma State-Boise State, and we're taking the over for it, and we'll see how good I am. Excellent. I love it. All right. Well, everyone – I got to get to bed. I got an early morning tomorrow morning. Enjoy your college football. He's watching football this week, folks. That's what he's watching. Oh, yes. What am I watching this week? Uh, I'm watching college football all day, and then I'm actually going to enjoy the Eagles game with my father-in-law, who's a big-time Eagles fan, so I do always enjoy watching with him. That's what I'm watching this week. I'm so sorry for almost forgetting our final segment. But... Enjoy your week three of college football, everyone. Enjoy your college football Saturday, your NFL Sunday. As always, wash your hands, you filthy animals. Please be kind to one another. Respect each other's decisions, even if you don't agree with them. It's part of being a human being. For the love of all things holy, I am your host, Micaiah, along with my co-host, Simeon. God bless. Peace out. Like and subscribe, anchor.fm. This has been 4th and 1.